Welcome to another episode of the Buckets Mentality Podcast. We got number 15 to number 11 on the top 25 players collab. If you've missed any parts of this series, go back to my previous podcast episodes. Also, go to my Instagram at Bucket Center if you're not understanding why it's a collab, because I'm doing it with another NBA content creator on Instagram. So go check out his list. Go check out my list. We're going to get into it. Number 15 through number 11. And at number 15, I have Devin Booker of the Phoenix Suns. And D-Book, he's been a ball over the past two seasons, one of the most accomplished players over that time span. He led the Suns to the best record in the league this past season. They won over 60 games. And then he had a finals appearance in 2021 in which he balled out. There were some moments throughout that playoff run where he had some rough shooting efficiency and whatnot, some off games. But overall, far more positive than negative in his first NBA playoff run, including averaging nearly 30 a game versus the Lakers in the first round and then having multiple 40-point games in the NBA Finals. Very, very impressive stuff from D-Book. First team All-NBA also this season. Whether or not you think he deserved it or not, you can't take that away from him. And he definitely got even better from last year to this past season. He increases three-point percentage up to 38% from three on a higher volume, and he's also improved as a defender. So to me, when I look at D-Book, I think he's the best natural shooting guard in the NBA. If you want to look at someone like Paul George and say he's a shooting guard, we'll get into Paul George later, but you can potentially say that Paul George is a better quote-unquote shooting guard if you're putting him at the position. But to me, Devin Booker is the best natural guy that I look at as a clear-cut shooting guard. It's D-Book, and that's why he comes in at number 15 on my list. At number 14, we have Ja Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies, and Ja has seen a lot of success over the past two seasons as well. He had the second-best record in all of basketball, but it's kind of a weird stat for him individually because the team actually went 20-5 and without him. Did I ever at one point think the Memphis Grizzlies were better without Ja Morant? Heck no. No shot a team is better without their best player. So I don't buy into that, but this is a team that was well-coached. They had great depth. They had great defense. You could definitely say on the defensive side of the ball, this team was better. But overall, as a team, I would not say this club was better without John Moran. I mean, we saw them have a big-time win in the postseason against Golden State. But also, at the end of the day, that series was clearly over once John Moran got hurt. And we've seen John in the past couple years in high leverage moments, rise and shine to the occasion. He beat Steph in the play-in tournament in 2021, but he took his game to the next level this past season, winning the most improved in 2022 and also made the All-NBA team. And he increased his points per game, eight points per game to 27 a game. And when you look at his profile as a player, this is a guy that is a relentless attacker of the basket. He's the most athletic point guard in the league right now. Sorry, Russell Westbrook. You're not quite at that peak level of athleticism. I'm saying John Morant has that title right now. And he's also the best guard paint score in the game. He's shooting 71% from zero to three feet. He can do it above the rim. He can do it below the rim. He's just such a crafty finisher inside. And when we talk about his playoff performance, he's been a high-level playoff performer. There was some rough efficiency in there versus Minnesota that we do have to address. But talk about a three-game sample size versus the champion Golden State Warriors. He averaged 38 points per game, seven rebounds, and eight assists. 
before he got injured. And then versus the Utah Jazz, this is a five-game sample. He averaged 30 points per game and eight assists. So that's some impressive stuff. Again, he's still writing the opening chapters of his playoff resume, but so far, so good. In terms of some of the weaker points of Jaws' game, he does leave a lot to be desired as an outside shooter and as a defender, but the potential was definitely there. It was hard for me to choose between Devin Booker and John Morant, but I ended up giving Jaw the edge. I think the playmaking gap and the fact that the scoring arsenal that he has is really coming together, it makes him a slightly better offensive weapon, in my opinion. I think Booker, like I said before, more accomplished over the past two seasons, but he's had a guy like Chris Paul to be that playmaker for him, and that's led to a lot of the success. He had not made the NBA playoffs before Chris Paul arrived. So having that guy definitely makes it easier for him. And Jaw is really that type of guy for the Memphis Grizzlies. And he also is matching Devin Booker's output as a scorer. So overall, I think John Moran is a slightly better basketball player, but it's close, it's neck and neck. And I'm excited to see how that develops next season. At number 13, I have Paul George from playoff P to pandemic P and everything in between. But Paul George, in the 2021 season, he had one of the most impressive stretches of his career. When Kawhi went out in a 2-2 series versus the Utah Jazz, Paul George led them past the one-seeded Jazz, and he pushed the eventual conference champs to six games. He averaged roughly 29 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists over the course of both series, and he showed that he is more than capable still as a number one option. Again, are you going to win a championship with Paul George as a number one? Likely not, but he can still be the number one option on a contending, relevant team. He can still play MVP caliber ball for stretches, for sure. And unfortunately, this past season, he played only 31 games due to injury, but the Clippers went 18-13 and 13 in those games. They were in playoff position without Kawhi and with George in the lineup. And he came back for the play-in tournament. He put up 34 points, including six threes, but it just wasn't enough to beat the Timberwolves. Obviously, you saw Pat Bev getting hyped like they won the dang championship or something, but it wasn't enough in that game. And unfortunately, as we all know, he missed the second playing game due to the COVID protocols. And so the Clippers eventually missed the playoffs. So he didn't have the opportunity to prove himself in these playoffs. But to me, when I'm looking at Paul George versus John Moran, obviously the thing that glaring difference between the two was the defense, you know, the defensive gap. Um, but also I do see a playmaking gap with job being a guy that can facilitate for others and have that kind of dual threat of his bucket generating arsenal, but it's Paul George's offense in the playoffs that I've mentioned and leading the Clippers to their first conference finals in franchise history. That's height. The Clippers have never reached despite the talent that they've had, especially over the past decade. I'm taking that and giving him the slight edge over John Morant. Again, I think John Morant could very well be better as soon as next season. We saw a limited sample size of what George did this year, but just given the fact that he was so great in those playoffs when the Clippers needed him the most, I'm giving him a slight edge over John Morant. And then at number 12, we have Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy, very, very strange profile for Jimmy Butler over the past two seasons. He was an elite playoff riser in this past playoffs, 2022. But then he was outscored by Bryn Forbes in the 2021 playoffs. So you, you got to look at that and be like, hmm, this is very interesting. But 
outside of that abysmal series versus Milwaukee, he's generally been a playoff riser. I mean, you go back to the bubble. That was probably peak Jimmy Butler, those bubble playoffs on the road to the NBA Finals. And then even moments where he's had back with the Sixers and even the Chicago Bulls back in the day. Jimmy Butler is a guy that gets better in the postseason. And he proved that the bubble run wasn't a fluke, averaging 27 points per game in these playoffs as one of the top playoff scorers in the league, while he increases three-point percentage by nearly 10%. And you're thinking, dang, that must mean he's shooting like 40% from three on the playoffs. Well, not exactly. I mean, the dude was a 24% three-point shooter over this stretch. Absolutely pathetic compared to Russell Westbrook. Like, Russell Westbrook level perimeter shooting. You know, it's sad, but he was able to increase that in these playoffs and he makes up for it with his two point efficiency, his volume free throw shooting, and then his defense. He's averaging about two steals a game on the defensive side of the ball. He's still a pest and a menace on defense. So for those reasons, he's bringing uh, a lot other things to the table like that make up for that that gap, you know, so. I'm putting Jimmy in at number 12. Who's better between Jimmy Butler and Paul George? It really seems to shift based on the year. But Jimmy was actually able to play on these playoffs. He was the best player on the one seed in the Eastern Conference. And he got to game seven of the Eastern Conference Finals. So for those reasons, I'm putting him ahead of Paul George. But again, next year, it could be a very, very different story. His playoff redemption really helped him on this list. Number 11. Now, this player... To me, he's on another level than, than some of these players we've named before. And it is Damian Lillard, Dame Dalla, and his latest contract. Man, he, he deserves every penny of, of that contract. I can't really criticize Dame, you know, because over the past two seasons, again, this past one was cut short with the abdominal injury, and it was a very limited sample size. He didn't really play particularly well. I'm not going to knock him too much for that. Sure, he'll get knocked some for availability, but most of my evaluation for him as a player is coming from the 2021 season. And boy, was he special in the 2021 season. There's a clear gap to me but between the performances of him in 2021 and any of these guys in their best year. He was peaking as an offensive weapon this 2021 season. In terms of his whole career, I would say 2020 and 2021 were peak Damian Lillard. He averaged 29 points per game, 7.5 assists per game on 45-39-93 splits. That efficiency and volume and the range of his three-pointer just puts him in rarefied air. And the last time we saw a playoff game, he averaged 34 points per game, 10 assists, and he even had a 55-point masterpiece that is up there with some of the best offensive displays in playoff history. We saw him going berserk hitting all those threes, and C.J. McCollum ruined it and ruined the series for the Portland Trailblazers, and they ended up getting them out of there the next year. All jokes aside, obviously, shout out to C.J. McCollum. He's a baller. Uh, it was just a low moment. He's had definitely moments where he's shown up and done his thing, including against Denver to help them make it to the conference finals back in 2019 when he basically had to, to save Dame for a, a bad performance that he had in Game 7. But Regardless, Dame is just to me on another level than any of these guys below him. It's not even worth justifying why he ranks. I mean, some people will rank Jimmy Butler over him, maybe, but I'm definitely giving Dame the edge as an overall offensive guy. Like, 
you can say Butler's defense narrows the gap or whatnot, but the offense is just so clear in terms of the gap. Like it's not even worth uh, discussing to me. They're on different tiers as players. And I cannot wait to see Damian Lillard healthy this upcoming season and what they're trying to do with this revamped Portland roster. Again, I don't think it's a contender, but I mean, he can bring that roster to the play in playoffs and whatnot and see what happens. Cause He's really a baller. On one hand, you're happy that he gets his money. He gets to stay in Portland and whatnot and try to do what he's trying to do with the Blazers. But on another hand, you want to see him legitimately compete for a championship, which he's not going to be able to do as a member of the Portland Trailblazers unless he ends up getting easy money sniper. If Unless Kevin Durant comes over there and they try to see what's popping down there in Portland. But until then, we're not going to really see it. So that's going to do it. I have Dame at number 11. I have Jimmy Butler at number 12. I have Paul George at 13. At 14, I have John Morant. And at 15, I have Devin Booker. Stay tuned. The top 10 is coming up next. I'm out, y'all. Peace.